Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 91st episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today, Jill? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. And you, I'm so bad at this, and you would like to know what this episode is about. Today's uh, episode. Man, you know, I mean, we can talk about whatever you want, but. Uh, no, that's okay. I, one day I'll get good at this podcasting thing. Uh, today's episode is an interview I did with author Jen Kalanita in Atlanta for the American Library Association Midwinter Conference. Uh, Jen, is she's lived a really cool life. She first was the editor of a teen magazine, and we talk about this in the podcast so, or in the interview, so I won't go too much into it, but uh, she interviewed famous celebrities and musicians like backstage and um, had a really cool, like, just Hollywood-style life for a little bit, and then she started writing books, and the first few books that she wrote were actually books that kind of told the same type of a story like the famous people and but it was like young adult stuff so it was like teenagers who were up and coming stars and writing about their lives and then what she started writing recently is the fairy tale reform school series and these are basically taking classic fairy tale villains and they have literally reformed themselves so they are now in charge of a school for other magical people and you go and uh, you learn all sorts of lessons and you get taught by literally villains that you are familiar with so um, it's it's very she has fun names for them like flunked and charmed and tricked um, but they literally are just characters that you're familiar with Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah we talked a lot about Disney because she's a huge Disney person, which I was on board with. Makes sense. Um, and she's just a really fun, outgoing person. I mean, she interviewed people like Justin Timberlake and Zac Efron, so she has lots of interesting stories that you would expect. Um, but yeah, is good times um, as always with the live interviews. There's a little bit of background noise because we're in a, a giant conference, so sure. that'll happen. But um, yeah, she's. She was really fun. We we talked actually a lot about Disney now that I'm re- thinking back to it. So <laughs> if you're a fan of Disney, you'll be a fan of this interview. So, um, Where can people find us if they want to find they us? They can find us on Twitter at ProBookNerds. Mm-hmm. And they can also email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. And I should say for our Twitter, it's not a – well, it is just you and I tweeting. But um, it's not just us talking about episodes. Like We like to give out really fun – uh, lists of books that are going out like the Audi Awards just came out and we put a list on there on our Twitter handle where you can find all the award winners and, and all sorts of stuff plus we're having a lot of fun tweeting at famous authors which is always a good time um, yes yeah. <laughs> full stop uh, anything else you want to talk about Jill no me either cool alright I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast <laughs> Thank you. 
and today I'm joined by Jen Kalanita, a former entertainment editor at a teen magazine who started out her career chronicling backstage lives at concerts with people like Justin Timberlake and interviewing stars like Zac Efron on film sets. She then moved on to writing books, first about things that she knew, like summer camp, reality TV, and Hollywood, and she's also written the popular Bell's YA series, and is now busy creating worlds of her own with famous faces we all grew up with, with a new cast of characters in her fairy tale reform school series. Jen, that's so many things. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we're going to jump all around, but would you mind starting us off by giving us a small intro into the fairy tale reform school series of books that you've written? So I was always that kid when I would watch a fairy tale movie as a child, I would get really upset if something happened to the villain at the end of the movie. <laughs> and my mother was a little worried about this, particularly with Cinderella, mm -hmm. because I was very worried about what happened to the wicked stepmother, <laughs> if the wicked stepsisters were banished to another kingdom. Uh -huh. I, I just was very worried. I felt like everybody deserves a second chance. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know what would happen if the wicked stepmother apologized to Cinderella uh -huh. and tried to turn over a new leaf. And so I thought about that a lot when I wanted to write a book for mm -hmm. kids, especially since I have young boys. Right. And that's when I started thinking, well, if she apologized, became good, and mm -hmm. tried to train other villains to be good, maybe they'd all work together to open up a fairy tale reform school. And it kind of all came from there. It's such a fun idea. And so are these things that, would you kind of like imagine these ideas out as a, as a kid when you were younger, or was it just that you would get upset and you didn't kind of start forming these stories until a little bit later in life. Definitely la the latter. Okay. I think, you know, when I went back and was watching them again more with my own kids, mm -hmm. I just started thinking again, like, this can't be the end of their story. Right. You know, what if they tried to be good? Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely started thinking about it more and more until a story developed. So when did it kind of strike you that you wanted to be a writer? Because you've done so much that we'll talk about throughout your career, but at what point did you decide, you know what, I want to start writing these books as a living? Well, I always was a writer, like even as a kid. Mm -hmm. I loved to tell stories. I loved to write short stories. Mm -hmm. um, whenever my friends would have a crush on a celebrity or a real boy, <laughs> I would write a short story imagining the best case scenario about yeah. what would happen with them. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I just knew I wanted to be uh, someone who could tell stories. And I thought, well, everybody who wants to tell a story goes and works at a magazine. Mm -hmm. And then they interview people and write stories. I figured that was just what you did. Yeah. So I started there, and then I started to notice the people around me, the editors I knew, were writing books. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I want to write a book. Yeah. And so that's when I started exploring it. So what was that transition like for you going from writing kind of more short form interviews and, and stories like that to transitioning to kind of telling a long form novel type of a story? You know, I was really nervous at first because when I sold my first book idea, it was on a partial mm -hmm. and I had pitched it to an editor who had agreed to have coffee with me and I yeah. kind of just spun this idea. Mm -hmm. I know Hollywood. I've interviewed all these young stars. Yeah. I want to talk about what it would be like to be a young Hollywood star. Mm -hmm. And then I had to go back and write the book. <laughs> and so I really had to look to, towards some of my favorite authors mm -hmm. as examples. They were like my teachers, yeah. Meg Cabot in particular. Yes. Um, I just loved The Princess diary series so much and I just loved Mia's voice and I loved the first person uh, dialogue and I just thought that's the way I want to do it and mm -hmm. so I kind of just used her as my guide and figured out how to write a book from her work. So when you were doing this especially for your, for your first books 
was it while you were also working full-time still, were you kind of doing this like in the evenings and on the weekends kind of a situation? I, when I started writing The Secrets of My Hollywood Life first mm-hmm. book, I would commute into Manhattan, which was about a 45-minute uh, train ride for me, and I was very pregnant, and laptops back then were about 10 pounds, yeah. <laughs> and I would lug the laptop on the train, and I'd write on the way in, and I'd write on the way home, uh-huh. and then I went on maternity leave and tried writing more, mm-hmm. and I sold the book while I was on maternity leave. Wow. So, so you, while well, you had what everyone talks about is like baby brain, you were able to write a book during that time. That's amazing. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but it was I, it was neat. I have some. <laughs> I have I have sisters who have children, and I have so many friends. They always tell me like I can't even remember to put my shoes on right. So that's really amazing that you're able. To yes, <laughs> but they nap so much when they're little. So I yeah. felt like I wrote the whole first book during naps. That's so okay, it that's was a great. Really good point. That's very true. <laughs> um, all right, so you mentioned this, but you started your career by writing these stories about famous celebrities. And while I was going through, like, doing my research, all I could think of was the movie Almost Famous, where he kind of has, like, a... So is that kind of what your life was like? Is that... Am I picturing this sort of similar, the whole backstage? Well, gosh, I love that movie so much. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was a little different for me because I didn't just interview musicians. And Mm -hmm. musicians can be a little bit more difficult to get a hold of. It was always interesting when I would go to a film set and you'd wait around to interview someone until they had time for you. But a lot of times it was scheduled interviews. So mm-hmm. I just I just love what I did. Everybody, for the most part, was really generous, really nice. Yeah. They wanted to be interviewed, and uh-huh. I just had fun with it. Yeah. Okay, that was actually going to be one of my questions. With these people who live lives that are completely different from ours, they're constantly being pulled this way and that way, and they're expected to give these interviews. Were they? Were most of them at least kind of down to earth and appreciative of? of the time we were giving them and, and vice versa? Well, I feel like a lot of the stars I interviewed were teen stars, mm-hmm. and so they were just starting out. And the smart ones knew that if you were you know, open and kind to your journalists, that they were gonna be kind back, at least at a teen magazine. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like my job was to help kind of you know, tell their story in any way I could. So I loved all the young people I interviewed. And I can't imagine that was a normal, like, nine-to-five situation. That was probably... No, no I can't. I, I can remember a celebrity making me wait till, like, 2 a.m. They kept kind of pushing back the interview hour by hour by yeah. phone, and it was, like, 2 a.m., and I was flying to Aruba the next morning at 5 a.m., and I just stayed up all night waiting for her to call. Uh-huh. Um, and so that was pretty funny. I remember being really pregnant once, and a celebrity not liking the smoothies they had at our photo shoot. <laughs> location and I had to traipse through 90 degree Manhattan in uh-huh. August to find a better smoothie store to get her a smoothie oh at. So there were some funny moments like that. So is the, is the life as a, a writer a little bit quieter than that? I know that yes. right now you're kind of being, being put through the car wash of sitting down with people like myself, but do you prefer the kind of, and I, you have kids, but do you prefer the kind of chaotic life that you used to live, or do you prefer kind of sitting down, being at home on your own schedule? Oh, I love being home and my own schedule. I mean, there's sometimes there's things that come up where I think oh, I would love to get a hold of one of these stars and interview them. Like, I, I love the show This Is Us. Yeah. I mean, if I could, like, sit down with, like, Milo Ventimiglia and Mandy Moore, I would be so happy. Mm-hmm. I miss Sundance. I loved going to the Sundance Film oh, Festival, yeah, which sure. is going on right now. That was such a great experience. But I love what I do more than anything. I love, you know, writing from home and being near my boys. Mm-hmm. And I just wouldn't have it any other way. Plus, I mean, we're at a, we're at a library conference right now. So maybe yeah. librarians are sort of like being at Sundance, right? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so, so moving from the world that you were familiar with, you were very ingrained in this Hollywood life, and then heading into kind of fairy tale retellings, 
what was the switch for you in your mind? You talked about when you were a kid, you always had this feeling of what happened to you know, these evil characters, but did you have to do any research on the different characters that you wanted, or was it just a different writing experience not having so much that you were, you know, something that you were ingrained in every single day to going back to these fairy tales? Well, you know what, I was really nervous at first, I because I, uh, you know, I, I was nervous because I thought, what if I mess this up? What if I mess up some of my favorite fairy tales? Right. But then, you know, I had never done anything that wasn't realistic fiction. All my other books are based on things that could happen to a kid tomorrow. Right. So at Fairy Tale Reform School, I was taking this magical leap, and at first I was very scared, mm -hmm. and then I realized I could just have fun with it. Yeah. And I could create a whole new world and just do anything I wanted there. Mm -hmm. So with the characters, I just kind of wanted to, like, turn them a little bit and make them characters. I know I would want to spend time with and my protagonist Gilly who starts out kind of cynical and sarcastic and is a thief it's been fun to watch her transform so I'm enjoying it I, I definitely look at the original fairy tales all different versions of them and kids are always curious about which fairy tale characters you can include and which you can't um, sometimes they'll ask for somebody to appear and I'll go no that's actually uh, like Captain Jack Sparrow yeah. is a Disney created character I right. can't put him in my book yeah. is the name of my chihuahua but <laughs> yeah. cannot be in the book I saw that so, <laughs> so actually that, that kind of touched on something that um, I would want to get your thoughts on fairy tale retellings are really really popular right now I mean they've always been very popular but as of late there's so many of these that have recently come out what do you think it is about fairy tales that continue to be so popular because they're not new stories they're characters that we kind of all grew up with but what do you think it is that keeps these characters and these stories continuously popping up popping up in in both TV and and in books in classic versions and in these retellings well, I think it brings you back to your childhood, and there's that nostalgia and that, that thought of, I loved Cinderella, or I loved the Snow White story, and now you want to see what somebody new is going to do with it. I'm a huge fan of Once Upon a Time, yeah. and I know some writers who will say, oh, well, I never watch movies or read other books based on the same genre that I work in or the same kind of story, but I love Once Upon a Time. I always think it's fascinating to see what they've done with Snow White and different characters, but it doesn't change what I'm going to do with my characters. So I just think there's room for all of us to do what we want with them. And I think, I don't know, I just love seeing what they come up with. Yeah, so is, when you're watching like a show like Once Upon a Time or, or reading some of the, the retellings, do you take look at it as a writer and think, like, how would I get out of that particular situation or how would I write that particular scene? I, I'm just kind of, I'm curious. I know, for me personally, I'm always, being in marketing anytime I see like a commercial. I'm like, I, that's, that messaging is not how I would do it. So as a writer, are you sitting when you see things that are similar to what you would do and say, I'm not sure I would do it that way? You know, I think sometimes, particularly with Once Upon a Time, because I think I just love their fairy tale story, yeah. and I love how they map out the world season after season. I think, oh, that was such a great idea. Why yeah. didn't I think of that? You know, so... Uh, particularly what they did with Red Riding Hood, where yeah. she turned out she was also the wolf. Mm -hmm. I was, I thought that was impressive. Yeah. So I think sometimes it just inspires me to work harder to come up mm -hmm. with new scenarios because they've shown you can think outside the box. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, what you think a retelling would yeah. be. And I will say, a lot of this might just be me being a little obsessive with work. My wife literally, when we're like watching TV, a commercial will come out, and I'm like, that's not how you should market that. And she's like, can you just take it at face value and maybe maybe not always? Yeah, she's really, really she's going to get mad that I talked about this. That's okay. Um, so for you, for you as a writer, what's your, your writing process like now that you're really focusing on novels? Do you 
give yourself a work count every single day? Do you have do you keep kind of strict hours and an, and an office that you write in? Or maybe just kind of take us through your process. I I write from home. I have a home office, mm-hmm. and I would say I write there eighty five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. I do find if I'm starting to get distracted for a few days, and I think, oh, maybe I should go do the laundry, yeah. or you know check the dishwasher, see if it's done. Then I'll leave the house and I'll go to like a local coffee shop because I just want to be out, get away, and not be so distracted. But I will say I write for the most part during school hours. My kids leave, I write, they come home, and I feel like now all of a sudden I am an Uber driver to lacrosse and soccer (laughs) and everything else. So I really try to write while they're at school. You know, that doesn't always happen. There are nights I write, Mm -hmm. um, there are weekends I write, but for the most part I like writing during the day Mm -hmm. and I love mapping things out. I'm a big outliner. I feel like it's really important, especially with like a fairy tale world. Mm -hmm. Love using the hero's journey and mapping out the story for these books and I find that very helpful because I feel like if I get lost along the way I can go back and look at what I had originally envisioned and see if it still lines up. I am always so impressed by authors who have that uh, that willpower to be it at home and it is an office in your house but be it in your own house and, and do the work. I've had a few authors tell me like my house has never been cleaner than when I'm on deadline because I can't focus on it but I personally even like the few days when I work from home for our office I'm sitting there like to make myself lunch so I'm always impressed by someone who says I work from home and I and you're able to be so diligent so but that is funny about the deadline thing because I know a lot of authors who say that and I was talking to Emily Lockhart once and she was mopping the morning a book was due and I find I do that myself yeah like I know I just have to finish that last bit but I'm like maybe Mm -hmm. I should just clean the kitchen cabinets first I don't know what it is about us but (laughs) I do find that I know that there's the whole saying it's like deadline spurs action so it's like I I have a week so I'm not going to worry about it and then you get to that last day and you're like I need to write 2,500 words yesterday, right? Like, this has to happen. So, um, all right. So, I, I want to have I have some questions about Disney because you mentioned loving Cinderella. So, was that your favorite Disney film kind of growing up, or did you have any others? Um, growing up, it was definitely Beauty and the Beast. Okay. So, Absolutely. I am so excited for the live action version yes. version with Emma Watson. I, I think wait. she's so perfect and spot on casting wise. I cannot wait to see it. I cry every time I watch the trailer, and yeah. my husband's like. You've seen this ten times. Why are you crying again? I'm like, I just know it's going to be perfect. She was my favorite. I liked that there was a brown-haired, brown-eyed Disney princess. I felt like the first one for me. So that was my favorite growing up. I like Tangled now a ton. And I'm, of course, obsessed with Frozen. I think everyone has to be. That's like a rule. You have to be obsessed with Frozen. Um, My boys were not too thrilled because when we just were in Disney in October, I made the entire family wait online for Anna and Elsa. Uh And uh, I was like, you don't have to get in the picture, but I have to meet them. And then Elsa signed my son's cast, and he was mortified because he thought everybody at school is going to freak out that a 12-year-old got Elsa to sign his cast. But I was so happy. It was like my moment. I love that so much. That makes me so happy. Um, I actually my, since I'm already throwing my wife under the bus, I'll just bring her up one more time. She gets teary-eyed when she watches the live-action Cinderella every time that she has the, tra- the transformation of her dress. I'll come in and I'll see her like wiping tears away. I'm like, are you? Is it the same thing you're watching? And she'll just stare me out and be like, go away. I don't want to deal with you. So I have a line from the movie up on our chalkboard in our house from that. So, so I mean, I love that movie too. Um, so 
in regards to Disney, is it is it just the films that you love, or do you kind of you mentioned that you've gone to the Disney? No, World we bit. we are Disney Vacation Club members, uh -huh. and we are obsessed. Um, my twelve year old's been thirteen times, That's and I just started running myself two years ago. Mm -hmm. And my husband keeps laughing at me because I only want to run in Disney. He's yeah. like, you can't just run in Disney. But if there's not fireworks and the fairy godmother waving me off, and I can't wear a tutu, I don't want to run. I was I actually I have friends <laughs> who have done the the Disney. The half marathon. Yes. I, I keep wanting to do that, but A, it sells out so quick and can't always get there when it is. Well, I run for charity now, mm -hmm. so um, there's a great charity, Kelsey's Hope Foundation for Pediatric Cancer, so okay. I've run for them the last two times. That's and I've dressed as Anna uh -huh. this past time, and I dressed as Belle the time before oh, that. Okay. So, so are you like, are we talking like full? Oh, yeah. Dress? Oh, wow. Oh, Good yeah. For you. That's a, oh. <laughs> you can That's see amazing. on Instagram, I always, I've got my whole costume. Oh, I'm going to go check that out. <laughs> I, I will say, I'm a big. Um, kind of history nerd when it comes to Disney. And I'm actually reading right now, there's a um, biography called The Animated Man, and it's just like all of Disney's life. Like Walt Disney, kind of, I'm always fascinated by like the old cartoons and the old movies and just like how, even today, I'm like, how do we do these things with the technology we have? So then kind of looking back like 80 years into how he did it. So I gotta look I saw, into that. Yeah, it's called The Animated Man. It's very long and it's very, it starts with like when he was a boy and Walt Disney was a little bit of a, interesting character but it's just fascinating so I when I saw that you were a big fan of Disney I wanted to chat a little bit and if you were gonna put one of your stories or if you were gonna write a story in a Disney movie which one would you take which character or which movie um, would I steal let's go with first which character would you write about would it be Belle um, you know what? I love Belle's story the way yeah. it is. I love that she's a reader because mm -hmm. I've always been a reader. Yeah. I think Rapunzel, and I just did a short story on Rapunzel's first week out of the tower, uh -huh. which readers can um, read if they pre-order Tricked. Nice. And I, I was so excited. I kind of wanted to keep going with it. I feel mm -hmm. like Rapunzel's story, especially when she gets out, yeah. is fascinating to me. So I feel like I'd want to play with Tangled. So are you going to keep moving on with the... Uh, let me rephrase. Do you have a kind of an end insight for your fairy tale reform school series, or do you think you're going to kind of keep going as as stories keep coming to you? Well, I'm working on book four right now, and there's a book five planned, and then we'll see. Hopefully, there's some other exciting things coming up yeah. in that world. I love it there, so I don't want to leave. I was just going to say that that's the type of I think you've set up such a perfect way to keep telling stories that can stay fresh because. You've already created the world, and you you can take these characters people know, and you can play with them however you want. So this is just a long-winded me saying great job. And it's just a, it's such an incredible, unique situation. So towards the end of our podcast, we have nine. I always call them rapid-fire questions, and then they never are rapid-fire. Okay. So we call them the Nerd Nine because we're dorks and we like alliteration. So the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? Um, take the Key and Lock Her Up, the last book in Allie Carter's Embassy Row series. I just finished it last nice. night. Do you have a favorite place to read? No, I will read anywhere and every and anywhere I can. Usually the car at school pickup. That, oh, that's really, <laughs> I love that. Get it in where you can. Um, do you have a guilty pleasure? Like I always tell everyone, mine is, if you go to my Instagram, it's just all my, my dogs. Like an obsessive amount of pictures of my dogs. Same, same. same. Uh, my chihuahua, Jack. He's feisty and I love to take pictures of him. I put a, posted a picture last week of me brushing his teeth because he hates it and tries to hide. But... Ours, see, that's this is why these never turn out to be rapid fire. We did the same thing with our dogs. They don't like the actual brushing of the teeth, but they love 
the flavor yes. of the extra. So yes. they'll just start like chewing on the toothbrush. It's, yeah. Yeah. If I mention it, he will hide. If I say I'm gonna go get the toothbrush, he hides. <laughs> um, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet visited? Australia. It's definitely on my bucket list. Do you have a favorite oh. holiday? Christmas. Do you have a favorite movie? Yeah. Um, I. It changes all the time. I love Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. I will watch that when I can. 13 going on 30. I, I love chiclet films. And The Devil Wears Prada. I can quote lines like off the top of my head. It is, I think because it just reminds me of my magazine days in yeah. the beginning. You and my wife should hang out. You're like, I think we should. You're like carbon copies of each other. <laughs> we have to get together. Yeah. Um, I think I know the answer to this. Were you a cat person or a dog person? Dog person. That's the right answer. Um, do you have a favorite food? Uh, I love pizza, and I also love um, Mexican food, anything and everything. And then if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Gosh, it's probably going to be celebrity because okay. I loved that world. I would love to hang out with Reese Witherspoon. I feel like we'd get along. Mm-hmm. Her, Jennifer Garner, and I, I think, could have a really great lunch. If you set up that lunch, my wife would like to come to that as she well. She definitely yeah, can we'll just, because we'll, I know she we'll would fit that. right in. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the last question I have for you is what do you hope young readers take away from reading your books? Uh, especially with the Fairy Tale Reform School series, I just hope they realize that you can't judge somebody, you can't judge a book by its cover, and you can't judge somebody by what you perceive them to be. And I feel like Gilly is such a great example of that. She has such um, views on people when she starts off in the series, and that has been slowly changing as she gets to know them. And particularly in today's world, it's just so important uh, to be kind and uh, just to keep growing. So. I couldn't agree more. Jen, thank you so much for joining us Thank tonight. you for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 